0: Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now,
1: here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. Hey everyone, welcome back to Middle Class to Millionaires. This is episode three. Today we're going to talk about real estate. My name is Vince, my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend.
0: The legend, Christian Mercado.
1: His name is actually not a legend, but he tries to put it on his license. (laughs) They don't let him at the DMV. (laughs) (laughs) So we're kidding.
0: All right. So we were, um, it was recommended to us that we. By a fellow listener. Yes. By a fellow listener, uh, my wife, that we kind of open up some small talk. But uh, at least for me, I'm not very good at small talk. I hate small talk. This is our fifth or sixth uh, time trying to small talk it. (laughs) So. um, Yep.
1: I've deleted the audio. (laughs) I think this, yeah, this is number six.
0: Yeah. So on that note, I guess we can just jump right in. Let's just get to it. All right. Let's do it. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about real estate. So real estate. Yeah. What's that?
1: Let's try to keep it under an hour because I think we could talk about this thing for... This is true. This is true. For many days. So on today's show, we're going to talk about some of the basics of real estate investing. We're not going to get into too much detail. We'll save that for another episode. Um, But today we'll at least cover... (laughs) You know what is real estate investing and some of the some of the ways that you can build wealth through real estate investing? We have uh, just a couple points to talk on, and then we'll kind of expand on those. So uh, I will kick it to Christian to start us off.
0: All right, first of all, um, to my stock market investors out there, did you hear what happened yesterday? What happened? It crashed. Uh, the Dow tumbled more than a thousand points and it's marked its third worst point drop in history. It's a good day to be a real estate investor. <laughs> yeah.
1: Apparently it is.
0: <laughs> Yikes. So, uh, you know, that's, that's why, uh, at least me personally, I, I prefer real estate over it's, it's an actual asset, but, um, we're going to get all, all into that today. So
1: that's funny that you actually uh, bring that up because when I was uh, doing my research for this episode, one of the articles that I looked at from bigger pockets was titled "Why You Should Invest in Real Estate instead of Stocks and Reasons to Invest in Real Estate."
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely get more into that because there's tons of of reasons as to why and why uh, real estate's way better in my opinion than than stocks. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we'll start and off for on... my
1: for my buddy, who recommended that we talk about stock investing if you're listening. I don't know much about stocks. Maybe we'll have someone on who can talk about stocks, but right now, we're all real estate. Yeah,
0: and not to say that you can't make money on on investing in stocks. You definitely can. It's just there's a couple more benefits to real estate investing compared to to stock investing. All right, so if you might have wondered, what is real estate and where does real estate come from? Um, Well, the word real as it's used in real property or real estate is actually archaic. It means A, land, and B, property and improvements fixed to land, such as buildings, roads, wells, etc. Everything else is personal property. Real in this context is rooted actually in the same family as the Latin, rex, and regium, king and royalty, respectively. So essentially, any real estate, in other words... The Latin term for realty means everything belonged to the king. So that's where the term real estate came from, in case you didn't know that. Mm, I didn't. Yeah.
1: What do I owe you for that course? Um,
0: let's do $10.99. 10 on that one. That's yeah. good. That's like a Udemy course. Yeah. I like that. Cheap. Too easy. So it's essentially just property that you own, whether it be a piece of land or house or fence.
1: Mm-hmm. Which you technically never own. This is true. But we'll get into that yeah. maybe later. That's a side tangent. <laughs> That's why the royalty thing comes in because
0: uh-huh. uh, it's always it always belongs to the king or the government
1: If you pay taxes that's right. you never owe you never own anything
0: right so I'm sure many of you have played the game Monopoly, right So yeah I remember
1: that time we played it at my house and um, mm, you talked a bunch of a bunch of crap about how you were no, so good and no, you're gonna sweep house and it's not
0: a, who not who was it the one there. I don't remember I think that. it was me. If, if that yeah. were the case, I, I think, think you, you went out. Won.
1: I think you went out second. No. yeah, I took your wife out, and I took you out, and then I took my wife
0: out. It was an off day for me. You sure. know.
1: Whatever helps you sleep at night.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, so yeah, I mean, I mean, if you've played Monopoly, you know, the way to win the game is to build up a bunch of property, mm-hmm. build up your, your rents, and go from small houses to hotels. Along with that, you get more capital or wealth from that, so it's we true. kind of relate um, real estate to to monopoly. It's kind of the same thing. And if you're playing your cards right and you're doing your research, uh, even even in a down market, because I know a lot of people are like, "Oh man, real estate is so risky." Um, but if you're if you're buying right and you have a plan, like a contingency plan for a downturn, mm-hmm. even through a downturn, you should be fine. Mm-hmm. As long as you do your due diligence and and you're buying right. Uh, you will be fine.
1: And a practical tip, if you're, let's just say you do experience a downturn, one of my old mentors, when I first got into real estate investing, he recommended that for every rental property I had, I had at least $5,000 in reserves. So that if anything ever happened, you know, if any expense came up or vacancies that I could cover that. Now, obviously for some people, 5,000 seems like a lot. I mean, it is a lot of money, but if you're, let's just say you're buying a house that you rehab, you do everything, you know, brand new to it, The plus side of that is that you shouldn't have any major expenses for quite a while. So, that cash flow, even if you don't have $5,000 cash set aside, you can bank that cash flow to get you to that number. So, if anything does happen, you can cover rent for a couple months if your tenant leaves or if your AC goes out, like one of mine is on one of my properties that I got to replace this year.
0: And you should be, um, you know, putting aside a lot of people have 5% per. Like, for example, CapEx, which is capital expenditures, which are the major things like roof HVAC, stuff like that. So every month they're setting aside a 5% for that, setting aside 5% for general maintenance and 5% for vacancy. So even though in that month you're not experiencing a general maintenance issue or whatever, uh, let's just say month 10 you have something that you have to take care of. But if you had been saving that 5%, you know, in the bucket each each month, it should generally or ideally cover that.
1: Yeah, but, and, um, and a real life example is um, one of my rental properties. Rent is eleven hundred dollars. So if I were setting back five percent for the three things that you mentioned, which were vacancy, um, repairs, and then capex, which again is capital expenditures, that would be about what three thirty ish, three hundred something dollars a month. I'd be setting aside. So ten <laughs> months later, I've got three grand saved for in case my just let's just say the H, the AC unit itself goes out, not the whole system. That's $2,500, and I still have $800 saved.
0: Yep, yep. Just a good rule of thumb, you know, you don't want to lose your shirt. Uh, the whole point mm-hmm. of this, the whole point of, of investing, because investing in anything, whether it's stocks, real estate, uh, startups, whatever, is there's always going to be a risk, mm-hmm. right? But with great risk comes great reward. So, But it it's in your favor to... Do the proper research before going and buying a property or going, to, even when you're buying stocks, you got to look at their, their financial statements, you know, what, you know, what's their PE or whatever that's called. Um, so you have to do your research first, but, and, and also just set aside, having money set aside per property will benefit you in the long run mm-hmm. and set you up for success. For sure. All right. So. Well, a lot of people will ask me, actually, if I'm a real estate agent and I'm not a real estate agent. So we're going to briefly discuss real estate agent versus real estate investor. Now, Vince over here is also an agent. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure.
1: So fairly simple. So I'll try not to get too detailed. But a real estate investor is someone who purchases properties with the intent to obviously make a profit, whether it's holding it as a rental property, flipping it for a large sum or the other many things that we could talk about as far as real estate investing, but the two that most people know is rental, rental property investing and flipping. Now, a real estate investor, most of them generally, just for sake of this topic, do not have a real estate license. There's some legalities that you could get into, but um, just for the sake of explaining the two, a real estate investor, again, generally doesn't have a license. Not all of them. I'm an investor. I have a license but a real estate agent is someone who is licensed through whatever state that they're practicing real estate in. So they're able to have a little bit more freedom as far as getting into properties that are listed on MLS. For simple terms, a real estate agent is just someone who, who practices real estate. Kind of like you have to go to law school to be an attorney. You have to get your license to represent sellers and buyers as their agent.
0: And that's that's like the traditional way of buying a house. Like you, if you're traditionally going to a bank to get a traditional loan, you have to get a realtor, right? You, to get a to represent you, or
1: ninety nine percent of the time, yeah. Some people want to represent themselves, but then they the issue is they try to. Well, for one, most people don't understand. Let's just say for for the sake of this conversation, Texas, Texas real estate. It's called a TREK one to four, which stands for the Texas Real Estate Commission. So the TREK one to four, the contract is ten pages. There's a lot of stuff that. You have to know as far as what you're actually signing up for because that is a legally binding document and you can be sued if you don't follow it verbatim. So one of the the benefits of working with an agent, the caveat is an agent who is good (laughs) because not all of them are. There are a lot of good ones, so I'm going to be nice. But the benefit of working with an agent is you're working with someone who understands, for the most part, real estate slash not really law because they can't practice law, but at least they understand the contract. So they can represent you and they have your best interests in mind um, when you're either buying or selling your house. Yeah. And
0: that's a, that's on the traditional route because a lot of uh, real estate agents don't really understand the life of an investor mm-hmm. and how it works or how they do things or how they operate. So, um, you know, it's it's. I mean, you can you can go both right ways right? like Vince here. He's a, he's an agent and he's also an investor and he also gets his fees off of listings and it just depends. You got to way out. Whether or not it's going to benefit you, you know, if you're if you're buying deals off the MLS, you save money there. So, True, or if you're listing. Yeah. One of the
1: reasons why I got my license, I had gotten it back in 2013, then I let it expire, then I got it again when I got back into this in 2017. But I got it for the sake of, I don't have to wait on anyone to see houses. Mm-hmm. I can see any house I want. That's on market. Yeah, that's on market, meaning on MLS, you know, something you see. Typically for most people these days is Zillow or Trulia. Um, I can run my own comps. Comps means comparables. So I can compare houses to figure out what a house I may per- be purchasing, what it might be worth once I fix it up. I can list my own properties, which means I don't have to pay 3%, uh-huh, which saves literally thousands with the amount of properties that I have been doing and what we're ramping up to. I mean, we're talking a lot of money. Yeah. And then I can do listings. Like when you have those you know, two houses that you just sold... You know, I do flat fee listings, so it's a little bit cheaper than most traditional agents. But I still make some side money there, which more or less pays for me being an agent for that year.
0: Yeah, because you got your brokerage fee.
1: I got board dues, and then you have to pay fees for having your um, super key, which is how agents get into houses.
0: And that's what typically a couple thousand a year.
1: Um, You know, I've never done done the math, and I probably should, but it's probably fifteen hundred to two thousand a year.
0: So if you're only if you're only uh, you know doing one deal as a real estate agent. Or if you're wanting to do one deal, maybe it doesn't make sense. But if you're doing multiple, then maybe you got, you got a, uh, some savings there.
1: Yeah, and I would say if you're doing two or more deals a year, I think you should consider being an agent just for the simple fact of saving money. A lot of things that you have to be careful with, though, when you're an agent, things you have to disclose, uh, stuff like that. So it may not be for you. That's something that you should probably research on your own. But at least for me, from a financial standpoint, it makes sense for me to be an agent. <laughs> I don't work with buyers, period, only sellers, and that's select sellers that I choose. So for me, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense for me to have a license because I can use old vents here.
1: Old vent. Is that a my... knock on my age? Uh, it could be. It probably was. Oof, sorry, mm. buddy. <laughs> that's like but three shows. I think every show you've knocked on my age.
0: Well, you are older.
1: Well, I'm only 29. No, you're not. For the fourth time.
0: You're like halfway to 66.
1: Wow, you're good at math. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, you can partner with agents if, if they understand the investing world and, you know, have them list your properties as well. I don't think I'll ever be an agent myself.
1: Yeah, for you, I don't think it makes sense because, you know, we're uh, business partners in two different ventures right now. So, yeah, uh, at least on the Airbnb side, there's no literally no point. Yeah, not, not um, at all. But on the other side of the flipping and stuff that we're doing, you know, for you, you save the money for me to do the work. It's true. I, I mean, it makes sense for you. And for I, sure. you know, I get you comps most of the time as soon as you want them. Yeah. Sometimes you, know, you have to you're, wait. Sometimes you're a little slow. You know? Well, you know, I got two hey. kids who were <laughs> demanding, so.
0: It's all good. No, I appreciate that. That's awesome that you do that for me. But um,
1: I'll charge you $99 for instant comps if you want. You want to do that? Yeah, right. Okay.
0: <laughs> anyways so i mean now you guys got an idea of the difference between an investor and a, an agent and you don't have to be an agent to sell or buy real estate um, true which is a common myth yeah people people always ask if i'm an agent I'm like no i'm not an agent mm-hmm. but um so there you go there you have it yeah well hopping on from that we're going to talk into uh perhaps what the different types of real estate. So we'll touch just briefly on that. So for example, um and then and then after this we could possibly go into the uh, the benefits. Sure. Okay, so so there's a couple of different spaces in in real estate. People, you know, when they think real estate, they probably might just think about houses and it really is way more than that. You have the single family space.
1: Single family means a one to four unit dwelling, which yep. is a your normal house that you see in your subdivision. Yep. Do a duplex, triplex, and a quad, which is you know two units, three units, or four units that are combined.
0: And those fall under comps. So it's it's basically what the other houses in the area have sold for that are comparable to your size, your year, build, um, square footage. Yeah, if it has a pool. garage so there's a lot of variables in there that but it all depends on what the other house that looks exactly like yours sold for essentially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's that's the single family space and then you have the commercial space which is five plus units and that can go into way there's so many more things like commercial office space retail apartment complexes you know storage space
1: which maybe we shouldn't even get into right now because it can. It's be just more no, I'm not. going to get it? Yeah. it's yeah. Just a,
0: just di- differentiating the two.
1: But I think the and we can talk on this on another topic. But the one thing to highlight that you and I both like about multifamily, which is five plus units, is that you can basically determine what your property is worth. It's called forced depreciation, and yeah. there's a whole whole another segment on that one. Yeah, but that's where a, the money's at.
0: Yeah, because it's not based on comps anymore. It's based on that properties operating income you know, and, yep mm-hmm. yep so we won't go too detailed into that right now but those are just the two different spaces that you can operate in um and a lot of people tend to uh, start off with a single family space and then jump into commercial or they stick in single family space for the rest of their life um i know vince and i don't plan to stay in single family forever just Heck because no. there's so many more benefits to commercial uh, real estate so
1: Yeah, and I don't want to have to pay for five roofs or five AC units or have five vacancies where if I have, let's just say, uh, a 10-unit apartment, you know, I've probably got one roof, probably multiple HVACs again, but not 10. Mm -hmm. Just so many so many more benefits and I can, depending on how much I raise the rent, I can determine what the value of the apartment is worth.
0: Yeah, and like you said, um, the biggest thing is if you say you have a single family home, if there's nobody renting it, you have... 100% Hundred um, percent vacancy. Mm-hmm. If you have, let's just say you have a t- ten-unit building and two tenants are not occupying the space, well, now you have eighty percent still covering the rent mm-hmm. and still maybe making a smaller, smaller margin. But you're still, you're not, you're not hundred percent vacant. So yeah. Um,
1: anyways, which means more than likely, if you're even if you're doing things at fifty percent capacity, you should at least be paying your mortgage and all your expenses.
0: Now we can jump into the benefits of real estate investing.
1: Vince, what do you got? So the benefits of real estate investing. So there's, um, again, there's there's so many, but for the sake of just trying to keep it to the basics, we're going to talk about the tax advantages and not into too much detail. Tax advantages, uh, cash flow, appreciation, and loan amortization, which we can get into in a little bit, equals net worth. That's one of the things that we're after. I'll let you talk about tax, but I'll talk about just something pretty simple that we've kind of already touched on is cash flow. The cash flow is is simply the difference between what you get in rent and all your expenses. And then a lot of investors will also deduct, like you were saying, about 5% for vacancy for CapEx, which again is capital expenditures, which are larger repairs, and then maintenance. So for the sake of easy math, let's just say... Or let's just use one of my properties. This is when I had a tenant, and it. now it's Airbnb. This property's rent was eleven hundred dollars. My mortgage, with insurance and taxes, was seven thirty-two. So I was netting what is that three sixty-eight a month? Now I did have a property manager, but I eventually um, let them go. So let's just say I was netting three sixty-eight. Then you take away another fifteen percent for those things that we talked about. So I'm cash flowing about two hundred and $210.
0: And that's actually typical for a, a, a traditional tenant. And and a, a property manager is typically 8 to 10% of the rent a month that you pay them. Now there are benefits, you know, you don't have to worry about it. They do all your your tax stuff for you, but you also have to remember no one's going to take care of yeah. your your units better than you are.
1: And you and I have learned this yeah, both I've firsthand <laughs> last year.
0: Yeah, we've we've had some bad some bad property managers and I, you know, I fired mine and did you fire yours? I did when yeah. I turned,
1: was turning over Airbnb. Yeah. No, no, they weren't themselves of a company. I'm not going to even say who they were. They're, they're great people. They really are. They just unfortunately had someone there who was not taking care of my property and doing things that they needed to be doing. Yeah. to manage my asset the way that I wanted to.
0: Yeah, mine just sucked, so yeah. there's that.
1: Yeah, yours potentially cost you thousands of dollars in repairs. Luckily, you had insurance.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Mine just, you know, <laughs> I just fired anyway because I was going to Airbnb, so. Yeah. Uh, but cash flow, like I know we're, we're talking about middle class to millionaires. Probably doesn't sound like you're going to become a millionaire on $200 and a it's month. And not. it's not. you're not. It's not a
0: get rich overnight game. This really isn't. This is, even if you're, you know, just killing the game out there. It's still, it's still a road, Mm -hmm. you know, still going to take you a few, few years to 10 years. Yeah.
1: And I have something on that. But before I say that real estate definitely is not a get rich quick game. Mm -mm. Now you can, I feel like get wealthier a lot faster than anything else that you may invest in, but it's definitely, it's for someone who is patient. Now, both of you are not, you and I are both not patient, (laughs) but it is for people who are, who are patient, and who are willing to play this game, this yeah. game of Monopoly, really. Yeah, um, but yeah. just to show you kind of how, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but maybe I'll just go into it. So one of the other factors of real estate investing is appreciation um, and loan amortization. Before you
0: get into that, I just want you guys to know that although no investment can offer you know a guaranteed of profit, or even the protection of your principal. But historically, real estate has been one of the best classes of investments for many, many years. I mean it has there's potent, there's many advantages and you can even have potential gains with real estate. And a lot of the time, uh, one of the things I do is I don't speculate on appreciation. Um, so I, I look at the mm-hmm. cash flow first, and I, and if it appreciates, well, that's even better for me. That's
1: but, just icing on the cake.
0: Yeah, but you don't want to buy off a of speculating appreciation.
1: That's how a lot of people have failed in crashes.
0: Yep. So so relying off that cash flow is is the best the best bet for you.
1: Mm-hmm. But just an example, uh, and I, we can cover this in here in a little bit. But let's just say you're able to save your cash flow. And one of the other pluses of real estate investing is, on average, in the United States, houses appreciate about 3% a year. Yeah. And you can typically raise your rents about 3% a year. So, for the sake of this example right here, if I take, it just let's just do average rent increase, okay? For five years, if my rent is $1,100, and I increase it by 3% for five years, and I save all that cash flow, Let's just say I don't have to use any of it. Obviously, it's a perfect world. I will have to use it, but if I don't, in five years I've saved twenty six thousand one hundred forty eight dollars in cash flow. Just in five years on one property, mm. we haven't even talked about loan pay down, loan amortization. We haven't even talked about appreciation. Just simply twenty six grand in five years from one property. It's good. That's cash flow. So I'll just touch uh, briefly on appreciation and loan amortization which I know sound like scary words, but they're going to be your best friends. Mm -hmm. So in loan amortization, the simple definition for it is just paying down a loan with principal and interest payments every month, generally over a 30-year period. Now, the plus side of this is that your tenant is typically paying down your loan for you, Mm -hmm. and this is how you build wealth. Simple, Mm -hmm. simple, simple. Appreciation. Is Again, like I said, generally in the United States, properties appreciate at least, oh well, on average, 3% a year. So when you make good investment by buying at the right price in the right area, you increase your wealth through loan amortization via your tenant paying down your debt, which creates equity, which creates net worth, but you also reap the benefits or the icing on the cake through appreciation. And then tax benefits, etc., which we'll get into in a second. For those of you who like math, I like math. I'm generally pretty good at it. Now I did how to use have to use a calculator for this, but it's because it's this is big math, big boy math. Based on a three percent average annual appreciation, let's just take my property that I keep talking about. When I bought it, it appraised for 120 grand. So in 30 years, based on three percent, the house would be worth two hundred and ninety one thousand two hundred and seventy one dollars and fifty cents. Which is pretty epic. You know, that's obviously it's thirty years, seems like forever, but think about it, my property value has gone up 170,000 in 30 years, which again, maybe doesn't sound that great over 30 years. But if you talk about loan pay down
0: and the loan is paid down or paid off,
1: paid off, right? Which means some other math I did for you at 30 years, the loan would be paid off. And on 3% average rents increase, I would be making 25.92 a month in rent, which if the loan's paid off, that's $2,600 a month cash flow on one property. So I did this math on my Instagram page sometime last year. So let's just say after five years on this certain property, my tenants would be paying down the loan, and the house would be appreciating three percent. So if you take the fifty seven thousand dollars of the loan pay down over five years and then the cash flow of twenty six thousand, it would be an eighty three thousand dollars increase in my net worth in five years on one property. If I do that on ten, I'm pretty dang near close to being a net worth millionaire in ten. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm done, kicking it to you.
0: That's good. If you're expecting your four hundred one k to, to uh, <laughs> be worth a million dollars in twenty years, well, don't tell you about that one. Hey, it might if you Maybe. put in
1: about five hundred grand initially.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know four hundred one k, you know, so it doesn't account for inflation, right? So, um, and they also whoever's managing it has to take their one percent fee. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just say it is a million dollars, and or no, let's just say it is it, it's worth seven hundred at that time. Now you're chipping downwards once you retire. And uh, hopefully you don't live past 80, you know, because then (laughs) you might run out. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what leverage is and how leverage uh, can be a controversial Mm -hmm. concept. Mm -hmm. For me, it's one of the most powerful opportunities real estate investing offers. It really is the ability for investors to leverage their capital several times over. Think about this. Even if you're buying a house for the first time, right? Most people actually, let's just say 99.9% 99.9% of people can't buy a $200,000 house cash. Yep. Yeah, it's just it's not happening. So even if you're just buying one home and you put it on a mortgage, even if you have 20%, you're still leveraging.
1: Can and you the, explain leverage what you mean by leverage the for bank, people who may not understand?
0: Yeah, the bank is giving you you're buying a property for 20% down or 10% whatever, 3.5 for FHA. But you are essentially putting down a down payment and the bank is is giving you the rest that's what leverages so,
1: so you're using their money yep to buy your property
0: yeah it's borrowed funds to invest in a piece of real estate that you could not you know purchase outright now there's there's benefit to this if you do it the right way and and if you're doing it for investment purposes um, because first of all purchasing a home it, it, it's it's a liability as opposed to an asset because if it's taking money out of your pocket, it's li- it's a liability. It 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 does build appreciation, which I understand. And mm-hmm. but unless you're renting out rooms and stuff, at that time, it's a liability.
1: I have mixed emotions or mixed feelings about that. I, I, mean, do, I always, do agree with Robert Kiyosaki, who says it's a liability, or whoever else says it's a liability. But I also, in a sense, see it as an asset.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying at that. So if but you're paying, I know what you're, saying. you're paying yeah. a mortgage. You're you're paying. You know, 18, 1500 bucks a month—that's coming out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's ways that you can um, that you can decrease that. I used to when on the first house that I bought, I used to rent a room out. I was paying half the mortgage at that point, which was definitely a help. So, you had a buddy staying with you. Yeah, I had a friend living with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be what's called house hacking, which is you can do that with a multiple unit as well. Um, you know, living. house
1: hacking is brilliant. Go to bigger pockets right now yeah. and look up house hacking.
0: House hacking is great. You could buy a triplex or a duplex or a fourplex, live in one unit and rent the others out, and you know, essentially those those tenants are paying your mortgage, which is great, living for free. I like that. Yeah, now that might work best if you're single. It's true, and you know, not married with kids, but still, it's it's a great it's a great way to get in. And a great way for someone to pay your mortgage off for you.
1: Yeah, I think house hacking. Um, let's just say you you're someone who who wants to get into real estate investing. Maybe you do have enough for let's just say three and a half percent down. You talked about the FHA loan, which I I'm going to hopefully don't botch this. Is the Federal Housing Administration. It's, yeah, it's a, loan. a government loan. Yeah, it's government loans for for first time home buyers. But you can let's just say you find a duplex. A duplex is two units that are. Uh, part of one property. So it's actually one, it's one house that's two units. You can purchase that with a government loan and then you can rent out the other side. So let's just say you buy a duplex and your mortgage is, I don't know, let's just say $1,300. And then the rents in that area for your, for that, let's just say size, size of the other side of your duplex is $1,000. Let's just say 1300 You can essentially house hack. Get someone to rent out the other side and they're paying down your mortgage. Yeah. So you're you're basically living for free and you're reaping all the other benefits that we talked about in rental property investing.
0: For sure. So I mean leverage leverage is a powerful tool if used properly. I think it's truly a way for just any regular person to become wealthy.
1: I like leverage. Yeah, you, leverage is great. You know how I leverage money. And I talk about this a lot on my Instagram page, which if you want to follow me, it's the Russell Investments, R U S S E L L Investments.
0: Yeah, I just use my personal, the Christian Mercado. Follow, Follow him.
1: Me. Good stuff. His stories are great. A lot of fire in there. Mm, lots um, of motivation. So on there, I talk a lot about how I do what I do, which I post about on Instagram and Facebook all the time. So I've been doing real estate investing for almost three years. Uh, Christian, how much money have I used of my own money to purchase property?
0: Big fat zero.
1: It's actually a little more.
0: What Maybe about, a couple thousand.
1: About, yeah. So on... Which maybe seems like a lot or maybe seems like a little if you're an experienced investor. So I have done probably, I don't know the number anymore, 10 to 12, 13 something, remodels slash flips slash holds. And each time I use leverage. So I use either what's called a hard money lender, which is just a short term loan, which is kind of expensive. But if you're a new investor, it's kind of what you have to do. It's a great I, way to break in without... It is.
0: I, I honestly think it's probably one of the best ways to break in because a bank, if you if you don't have any track record, a bank's not gonna just lend you money.
1: No, and you experienced that when you first started out. Yeah,
0: not to not for investment property. They'll give you money all day for a house, but yeah, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I eventually went from hard money lending to a local bank to purchase these properties, uh, and they would finance a certain percentage of what the house would appraise for, and but they still required a ten percent down. So what I did was I leveraged someone else's money, which is called a private investor. Get so that private, yeah, gap funding, that private investor covered my 10% down. They covered my closing costs. And then typically I borrow a little bit more so they can cover my holding costs, which are, you know, the monthly payment and um, expenses, utilities, et cetera. So I'm almost quite literally, I'm not out of pocket any of my own money. Helps yeah. me sleep at night.
0: And they also get a return as well. So it, yeah. it, it, it's a benefit to both, you know.
1: So if you're doing it wisely, and I definitely think you should seek some counsel from an experienced investor before you even entertain this, or one of the books I was going to talk about at the end of the show that helped me get into this whole idea is a book by Brandon Turner called The Book on Investing in Real Estate with No and Low Money Down. That's how I learned this really revolutionary way to invest in real estate. If I wouldn't have known that. I'm not sure how I would have got started because when I had started, dude, I had just left a full-time job. I was working a part-time job, and I didn't really have any money. Yeah. So leverage, thank you.
0: That's good. Here's another example of leverage. So a lot of times I hear people say, well, I'll just pay off my house first, and then I'll rent it out. Hmm. (laughs) First of all, that's going to take you 30 years. Second, here's an example. If you had $100,000 to invest and you wanted to get into real estate, you can either purchase a $100,000 house, just just one hundred thousand dollar house. Mm-hmm. Let's just say the rent is fourteen hundred, right? So with the fourteen hundred non leveraged, your rent is fourteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Let's just say monthly expenses four fifty. Your cash flow nine fifty, mm-hmm. right? So, or leveraged, you can buy four houses with twenty five k down on each one. Mm-hmm. Um, four hundred thousand dollar houses with twenty five k down on each. Each is renting fourteen hundred dollars a month. All right. So rent, fourteen hundred times four is fifty-six hundred. Your monthly expenses, four fifty times four, eighteen hundred. And your interest on the loan, you know, let's just say one ninety-five on the four, seven eighty. So uh, your cash flow plus your loan pay down, you are at a positive three thousand and twenty dollars.
1: Not taking into account what your
0: mortgage might be. This is just the cash flow portion.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that example because that's, instead of paying $100,000 for one property using all your cash, you're literally cash poor, you have one property, yeah, that's making you maybe 900 bucks a month or whatever that net was, and you're building, let's just say, um, equity slash net worth on one property. Now, if I leverage that $100,000 cash, i am got four tenants paying down four mortgages, and I have appreciation working for me on four properties, which means I have four properties increasing my net worth.
0: Yeah. So that fifty-six hundred was is is the total gross. Mm-hmm. The thirty twenty is cash flow. Oh, okay. Because gotcha. on a hundred thousand dollar house, you know your monthly might be four or five hundred dollars. Uh, sure. Um, somewhere around, somewhere in that ballpark, you know. And then um, if you have four of them and you're renting fourteen hundred, you know you can do the math there. But if you're able to find something like that. Definitely jump on that because mm-hmm. depending on what market you're in, that's gonna be a lot harder to come by but they're out there, especially if you live in a low a low tax or a, a cheaper tax area.
1: Yeah unlike Texas where property taxes are terrible.
0: Yeah, they're really high
1: <laughs> but at least we're not California. This is true. <laughs> Sorry to my California friends out there.
0: <laughs> All right, so next we can talk a little bit about the tax advantages and sure. And a lot of people don't know the tax advantages that come with real estate. Um, There's several different types of tax benefits. Let's just talk about one, which is depreciation. Now, what depreciation is, it's a way to reduce your taxes. And what you wanna do is you're accelerating your depreciation. And the way you do that is through um, cost segregation. Now, what that is, is when you buy a piece of real estate, you know you you bought the land you bought the building but you also bought the improvements of the land okay um like you know the the driveway the fencing the the landscaping all that stuff so you bought all the contents of the building right and whether it's just even in the interior so there are all sorts of things but when you buy a house now, this is why you both have CPAs because they are professionals <laughs> at this.
1: Yeah, now but, we're not giving any tax advice at all. Yeah, not this at all. This is purely from reading.
0: Yeah, from reading. But so.
1: Talk to your CPA.
0: Yeah. But you buy a house, right? And you're able to use the depreciation against your taxable income. So let's just say, you know, you have three or four rentals, and um, for 27 and a half years, you're able to use what depreci- uh, depreciation against the property. And you can also do use other expenses as well. It, uh, it's twenty five hundred a year on like you know fixing stuff on separate events, separate occasions. I don't want to go too detailed into it, but so you have twenty seven and a half years to depreciate the property against, and you can use that against your taxable income. So, for example, let's just say which means less tax
1: paid. Yeah. So for That's example, a plus.
0: yeah, yeah. So if you let's just say you make one hundred fifty grand uh, this year, and you hold. Uh, five rental properties well you can you can depreciate the, those properties and so like last year for mine I think I, I, I uh, saved about eight grand it took eight grand off my taxable income so you can do that and you might be,
1: which uh, let's just say you're in a 15% tax bracket. Yeah, you just save $1,200 in taxes that you would have paid.
0: Yeah, and that can that can even bring you down a tax bracket. So if, mm-hmm. if you're in the 150 or something, and you bring it down to I don't know 120, it could be a difference of a whole tax bracket that you're mm-hmm. that you're so paying.
1: Doesn't seem maybe that $1,200 doesn't seem like a lot, but that's $100 a month. There's your cell phone paid for.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there, that's one of the tax benefits that you have. Now there's tons. There's tons and tons of others. There's a book, a really good book called Tax-Free Wealth mm. by Tom Wheelwright. that on my notes Yeah, Tom Wilwright. He is the CPA uh, slash financial advisor to Robert Kiyosaki who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
1: Which again, some people have asked about recommended books. I'm going to get to it at the end. But that book, before you do anything else, you need to read that book.
0: Yeah, amazing book.
1: That is the book go just go look into the listen to the bigger pockets podcast at the end they talk they ask their guests you know uh what's the one book that either you know changed your life or whatever what are you your favorite book you've read and i know that i said this on like episode one but probably 90 percent of people say rich Dad Poor Dad. yeah if you want to shift your like mindset that. i mean it, it literally changed my life
0: yeah it's a great book so that that book is also a fantastic one it's um i listened to it a couple months ago Easy, it's real easy. I know mm-hmm. taxes sound pretty difficult, but he breaks it down like where anyone can understand it. There's not just real estate. He doesn't just talk about real estate tax advantages, but he goes into investing in oil companies and talks about you know asset protection, you know uh, self-directed R- R- R IRAs and and just tons and tons of different tax strategies that can essentially just lower your taxable income and you know set you up for the
1: future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot more on tax advantages to investing in real estate. And we're just really trying to give you the brief summary of it, even though we've kind of gone into some bigger things, but depending on the tax bracket that you're in and what sort of real estate investments you own, there's ample opportunity to write off your expenses, your interests. I mean, like literally anything and it can lower your tax bill. The IRS and, the, and as crazy as this sounds. The government wants you to buy real estate.
0: Yeah, they they actually listen as as a as a W two employee. There are really no tax benefits for you aside from writing your your kids off. I guess <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, your kids and your healthcare costs. Yeah, that is it. There is nothing else. But government, they support and and award business owners and investors. And that's why there's so many tax breaks for them. There's so many tax breaks. For example, I mean, Robert Kiyosaki, this is one of the biggest ways that he um, really boosted his wealth was using what's called the 1031 exchange. And Mm -hmm. it's basically a method to defer your taxes.
1: So you take what you would make from the sale of one property instead of paying what's called capital gains, which is you're paying taxes on what you've made. You put that money into another property within a certain amount of time and you save, you basically defer your taxes.
0: Yeah. And you can keep deferring until you hit like a million dollar property or something. And, and then there's ways to, to, you know, defer that even further, um, amongst your estate. Mm -hmm. There's just,
1: and if you do it properly and if you read tax free wealth, you could potentially never pay taxes on that.
0: Yeah. There, there's, (laughs) I was reading some, some, um, there's some, some people in there that were worth, you know, maybe 10 million before when they're alive. And then once their estate passed, they're worth like a million dollars through. And obviously, because over 10 million, I think they might have increased it. But over, I think it's over 13 million or something like that. You have to pay taxes on the state. It's called a death tax. Yeah. You have to pay taxes on your on your death if you built such a large wealth. And there is. And that goes on to your kids. Yeah. They're the ones that have to pay the tax. So there are certainly ways to. Decrease that if you're if you're doing the right estate planning and
1: and, whatnot. and there are people who may or may not be running for office who want to take more of your money when you die. Oof! Don't I'm get, not gonna get me there. I'm on not that. going to. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm staying away. It's not a political show. It's not. But you do have two very opinionated hosts.
0: Yeah. So um, and then I think one of the other things about real estate is you really have control, right? So when when you're investing if in this you know IRA 401k, you don't really have control of where your money's going you just hope whoever's managing it knows what they're doing mm-hmm. and has some kind of financial literacy to really make your money money but um with with real estate you really have um complete control you're not worried about major shareholders in those companies because they get paid first yeah um and you you can just you really do whatever you want with it
1: i want to read a couple of quotes i like quotes I think that was evident by episode two. where I probably read 19 quotes. Quotes are good. Quotes are good. Well, we'll just read one. One of them is from Donald J. Trump. This was, you know, you love him or hate him, say what you want about him. But he, you know, before becoming president is, was, is a very successful real estate investor.
0: Oh, but people also say how he went bankrupt.
1: He did. But he, okay, let's talk on that. He went bankrupt and look where he came back to. So um I bring
0: that up not to to stir up a political thing whether you like him or not it's 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 basically it proves that he had a million or actually had a billionaire mind mm-hmm. and even though he did go bankrupt he 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 because of his mind he built it right back up. Mm-hmm. And and the whole thing is you know with with investing and and with growing your wealth comes might come some failures, you know I'm not sure. wishing that upon anybody. But you might, you might, you might lose one day, you know, you, mm-hmm. you can't win them all. You no. just can't. So if you have the mindset to overcome that, you can build it right back up and even
1: tenfold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all how you learn from your mistakes. I was looking for a quote behind you. Okay. Yeah. That's why I look past you. But, um, yeah, it's all, it's the mindset. If you have the mindset of a millionaire or a billionaire, you have the mindset that, you know, okay, even if I failed, I'm going to pick back up and I'm going to keep going. That's what that's what makes successful people. It's their mindset, which we really tried to hammer in on episode one and two, because all the stuff that we're going to talk about, if you can have this type of mindset, you really can succeed, mm-hmm. even if you fail. Like, yeah. I think I was fortunate enough to develop this mindset when I first got into it. And, you know, I, I had the potential of just giving up again and going back to a W-2. You know, I was, dude, this is going to sound crazy, but I was because of that guru program that I paid for and the debt that I took out on that house, mm-hmm. I was almost $60,000 in debt. Guru. Not including our house or any anything else, you know, and now um, I can say that we're debt free besides yeah. our house and our other mortgages for properties, but personal debt, completely yeah. debt free. Yeah. But the quote I was going to read from Donald Trump is real estate. It's tangible. It's solid. It's beautiful. It's artistic from my standpoint. And I just love real estate. I agree with the dude. Like it's, you're talking about control. Like, uh, you know you just have complete control over your properties you again if you manage them yourself there's just more freedom to do what you want with your properties rather than stocks right because you're the only owner
0: right you can control 100 percent of it
1: mm-hmm. um, his daughter says i made a tremendous amount of money on real estate i'll take real estate rather than go to wall street and get a 2.8 percent return forget mm. about it
0: yeah forget about <laughs> it forget about it <laughs> yeah that's good um so, there, I mean, there, man, there are so many different advantages to, to real estate. And it's one of the reasons why I love it. It's definitely been beneficial to me and uh, my family.
1: Mm-hmm. One, more, one more quote. It's again, it's from Donald Trump, but you know what it is, it is, what it is. He says, every day you'll have opportunities to take chances and to work outside your safety net. Sure, it's a lot easier to stay in your comfort zone, in my case, business suits and real estate, but sometimes you have to take risks. When the risk pay off, that's when you reap the biggest rewards. So obviously, real estate is risky, but in my opinion, brings the greatest reward uh, out of anything that you can invest in. There's a, you know, eighty four percent of all statistics are made up. So who knows yeah. if this is true? But Andrew Carnegie, who we all know as one of the wealthiest people, still, well, ever, the richest man ever, right? Mm-hmm. Besides Solomon, but he says ninety percent of all millionaires became so through owning real estate. More money has been made in real estate than in all industrial investments combined. The wise young man or the wage earner of today invests his money in real estate. Mm. So yeah, so real estate is—it's what we do. This this topic—you know—we could probably talk about for hours, and I'm sure we're going to talk about in many more episodes. But this is—I know we—we we kind of went on a couple tangents here and there um, with some a little bit more in-depth stuff about real estate investing, but we're really just trying to. I think you and I both are not just the basics, even though this is supposed to be a basics episode, like
0: it's hard not to,
1: to just stay surface, you know. It's hard. We just we just want to get into it. <laughs> we want we want you, whoever you are listening, to even if it's not real estate, if, if real estate's not for you and you want to start a business, we're just trying to, I guess, inspire you with our stories of how we're doing what we're doing. You know, the the show's called Middle Class Millionaires. We're not millionaires yet. But mm-hmm. You know we're developing this mindset and we're taking risks. Our risk is right now in real estate. Yeah. Yours could be in starting a clothing business. I have some friends from our old church who launched a uh, a leather shoe company and now they do other stuff with that. hmm And that's a hard business to get into. Yeah. But they're they're crushing it, you know, because yeah. they took the risks.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be real estate; it can be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the key is just to get you to think, you know, beyond the ten feet in front of you. you yeah. You really got to. Grow your mindset. It's just a growth journey, and um, a friend reached out to me and they said they listened to the podcast and really enjoyed it. It w- it really it was really impactful for them because it was coming from me because they saw me at one point where they knew where I was at you know, and mm. now they see me where I'm at right now. That's in, cool in this stage, and it's just gonna keep going. You know, it's it's just yeah. this is just the journey. Um, like Vince said, we're not we're not net worth millionaires right now, but this is the journey. And we're bringing you along with the journey to either join us or, you know, venture into your own thing. But, you know, teaching you mindset, uh, techniques, strategies to, to mm-hmm. get you there and, and not doing it just to chase the money. It, it's like we said last episode. It's not if you're, yeah. if you're just chasing the money, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. You got to find your why. Mm-hmm. And then once you find your why, you, you learn the strategy and then you take action. And if you do that over the next couple of years, you're going to be a lot farther along.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not going to share my number, but, you know, when I, again, when I was 60 grand in debt, if you include our house, my net worth was way in the negative. Now it's not. Um, So we're just trying to show you like, we're just average dudes. I Mm -hmm. mean, I think we're above average because of the way we think, but we've trained our minds to think that way. I'm not trying to be arrogant. We've trained our minds to have this mindset. So we're just trying to bring people along in the journey from middle class to millionaires, even though we both were at one point pretty poor. I don't even think even middle class would be. Yeah, we were. Yeah. What that there? was a journey in itself, just uh-huh. getting to middle class. Yeah. So we're just trying to inspire you. You know, maybe the first two episodes were kind of, um, they were kind of raw. And maybe, maybe we pushed some buttons. We got a one-star review. Maybe we pushed that person's button.
0: Hey, they're not ready. That's they're great.
1: not ready. Yeah. But we're... Here's what I was thinking about last night, actually. I was laying in bed, and I was thinking, like, you know, I I want this to be, like, an inspirational show. So I said it on the second episode, but I'm going to say it again. Life is so short. You literally have one opportunity to do this. You have one chance to leave a legacy for your kids, for your wife, for your family, for your grandkids, your great-grandkids. You get one chance. So a lot of people get hung up on fear Fear of failing, fear of what other people will think if you fail, all these things. Who cares? At the end of the day, the legacy you leave behind, the people you're able to impact along the way, the charities that you're able to give to, the ministries you're able to start or support, like that's way more worth it than any potential fear of failure. Gary Vee said something, I don't don't know how long ago, I think this quote I'm about to read is from a post I made in April of last year. But he said, it's the stuff that you don't do that bothers you. For the entrepreneurs that haven't decided to take that leap, I implore you to do so right away because this window closes too. The one thing I ask you to do is not look back and regret that you wavered on the moment that was available to you. Mm. You get one shot. Yeah. Take it. Sweet. Well, hey, if you made it this far, I don't know how long this episode is going to end up being, but if you made it this far, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, I'm, we're going to I'm gonna read off some recommended books. I had a couple of people ask about books that they could read and even one person one of the reviews is from a friend of ours uh, said that some of the books that he rec- that we recommended he re- started reading right away, which hmm. is awesome yeah. like that's an action taker so some of these books we've already mentioned, but we're gonna have the recommended reading for you I mean you know no book reports do but I'm gonna put this in the show notes as well but here are ten books that we that We really recommend like if if real estate is your thing or if just starting a business a lot of these are on mindset If you want to level up These are books you should read period First one's called the ABCs of real estate investing. I don't remember who it's by um, But it's the only one you're going to find ABCs of real estate investing is just a general overview about real estate One of them I already mentioned by brandon turner is the book on investing in real estate with no and low money down Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Think and Grow Rich. I can't remember who that's by. Napoleon Hill. Yeah. Uh, Incorporate and Grow Rich. This is a favorite of mine because my wife and I have a corporation, and there are so many tax benefits to having a corporation versus just a regular LLC or being a sole proprietor that will literally increase your net worth. Uh, Tax-free wealth. Christian talked about that one. We talked about this one on, I think, both episodes. Secrets of a Millionaire Mine. That one, if you if you want to laugh while you listen to this book, download the one that's um, narrated by the author himself. He's uh, quite the quirky guy. <laughs> then you have Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki again, Ten X Rule by Grant Cardone, and then Millionaire Millionaire Next Door. Now that one right there, if you if your goal is to become wealthy for whatever your reasons are, again we're all we're all doing this for the why, but if you want to see your net worth drastically increase then you have to think like a millionaire does and that book will change your life with that hey again thanks if you made it to the end this was a long one but we hope we hope it spoke to you and we'll see you on the next episode
0: This episode
1: of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on
0: entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth.